This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. week's episode of the state of recruiting your weekly horns 24 7 recruiting podcast i'm mike roach and i'm joined as always by nick harris uh and before we get into the show tonight we want to remind you guys to please subscribe rate and review uh on any podcast platform of your choice wherever you get the show if you can do those sorts of things they help us out a lot especially on itunes um and, and any five-star review within our itunes uh gets you a get your question automatically answered in the mailbag i also want to point you to the other great shows on our network including the flagship with taylor estes and chip brown and the longhorn blitz with rod babers and jeff howe uh, so before we get into everything nick how's it going going pretty good can't complain uh been a busy week uh, excited to get into it all right yeah we do have a lot to to get into um we'll, we'll start with uh, i guess the biggest news of the week a commitment uh, Texas got from Chris Ross, the defensive tackle from uh, North Shore High School. Um, I think big on a on a couple of different uh, in a couple of different ways, I suppose. Um, I would say for one, obviously, anytime you can get big bodies who move the way he does, you know, you, you really want that. Uh, getting guys at the point of attack is big. But for Texas, getting back into the North Shore pipeline and getting a win there, I think, uh, you know, where they used to really make their living under Mac Brown. I mean, you think about the guys who came out of North Shore and played at Texas, uh, whether it be the Corey Reddings or the Chikey Browns or, or any of the others. Um, you know, Texas used to, to be able to regularly dip into that talent factory and get guys. And, um, you know, it's been bit of a drought when you talk about the Eric Monroe's and the, uh, you know, the Shattered Banks and uh, Caleb on Chasons of the world. So Texas back in at North Shore and hoping to make it two for two if they can get Denver Harris as well. Um, I think those are, are, are all big factors of it, but I really, I like this evaluation by Texas. I think that they made a, a quick early evaluation of Ross who, um, you know, for me, is a guy that doesn't overwhelm you with physical ability, but I think he's just a really strong player. You know, he's, he's good on the inside. He's quick laterally, uh, long arms, all those, all those sorts of things you want to see in a guy. I don't think he's going to be, you know, your typical five-star candidate, but certainly, you know, one of those guys you have to have in the class to provide sort of the glue. Yeah, this is a big win for Bo Davis. He was able to tap into his uh, his North Shore connections from from back in the day. And like you said, it, it gives Texas a win uh, back at North Shore in a really important 2022 class at uh, that high school, because I think there's a five star corner there, if, if I remember correctly. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, Chris Ross, really physical on the inside. Um, I, again, a really good early evaluation by Texas and, you know, he shut things down, uh, relatively early. He was just starting to get his, uh, you know, recruiting off and going this off season. Uh, when I had seen him against Westlake and North Shore's final game of the season, 
I believe he only had like one or two offers at that time. And since then, he's added just about any offer you could ask in the region, uh, you know, including Texas, Texas A&M, Oklahoma, um, LSU, USC, even and some others. So, um, you know, Texas was able to get in on him early and uh, secure this commitment pretty early on. Uh, and Bo Davis is able to get one on the defensive line from North Shore. That's got to be, you know, a, a pretty, pretty solid win for him uh, to get his first commitment on staff. So uh, we'll see if he can tap into, you know, those North Shore connections for Denver Harris now. Um, and now that they have a commit in the locker room, it's definitely going to help moving forward in that recruitment. Yeah, I think um, also, you know, for Texas, it's uh, it's an, I think what stands out to me about this class so far is um, everybody has been able to to get a win early, just about on the staff sans Kyle flood, who everybody wants to get, you know, some wins pretty soon. And I think that those will come. I'm not worried about that, but um, you know, you, you look at kind of the way the class is coming together. They've got the quarterback, they've got uh, the running back. They've got a receiver that, that people think could be big time. They've got a linebacker. They've got a couple of DBs. So um I think adding that defensive line and starting to build in the trenches was, was really big, a really funny recruitment. You know, when it first went down, uh, when it was, I guess it was going to go down when Nick in, in February, um, yeah, like late February. Yeah. And so we had gotten really strong information that it was going to be Texas and um, he pushed it back, I think right after the USC offer. Um, and, you know, anytime a kid wants to push a recruitment back, it's, um, you know, it's a little, it becomes a little distressing or not distressing. I guess you just kind of have to look at it and say, why are they pushing it back or what's the reason for that? So, um, you know, we, we, it's not that, I guess our tone leading up to this commitment was probably a little more pessimistic than it was previously. And it's not that we necessarily thought he was going anywhere. It was just that we didn't have a definite answer and he was talking up some other schools pretty high. So um, anytime a kid asks for more time, you know, that gives other schools opportunities to, to get in there and, and kind of make more time. So, um, you know, glad to see it, it finally happened and, and locked down and, and now Texas can move forward from here. Um, Nick, you were in California last week and, and uh, you had a lot going on there. Um, why don't you just uh, walk us through your trip and, uh, and how everything went? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, got in Thursday night, uh, just in time for Friday. Uh, my first stop was at uh, Bishop Alamany High School. Went and saw a, a trio of Texas targets on the defensive side of the ball at Alamany. Um, we'll start with uh, probably the, the biggest name is Nawafe Tuahalamaka. Uh, they call him Junior over there, Alamani. Um, he's he's as advertised. I was able to catch the first quarter of their game uh, on Friday night because they had an early kick, and uh, he was all over the field making tackles and being right in right in on the play. And he talked up Texas quite a bit. He he wants to take an official visit there, and I, I firmly believe that you know he will. Like you've always said, and I uh, think let me been... cut in there. He actually confirmed with us last night that he will be taking an official visit uh, June eighteenth to the twentieth, and we'll touch more on that in our next segment. Perfect. Yeah. So uh, he, he will be making that official visit. And, you know, like you've said, and like we've mentioned on the podcast before, we can't really take out of state prospects serious until, you know, they schedule that visit or, you know, they, they uh, you know, show heavy interest. And um, he, he was able to do that. And now he's got a date set. So uh, I think it's going to be really important. He's going to be making that same trip with Malik, I believe, because Malik would be coming that same weekend. Correct. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think that'll be big for, you know, the California prospects. Um, you know, Texas is right there. Um, some other schools involved uh, at Notre Dame is right there, Oregon. 
Um, you know, I think Texas is in the top two or three right now, and they have a really good chance, you know, at winning over this recruitment. If they can, you know, get him on campus, show him around and, you know, really show him, uh, you know, what the program is all about. Um, I think it's definitely a winnable recruitment. Um, so that's definitely one to keep an eye on. Another one that, uh, you know, I found kind of surprising from my stop at Alamany was uh, Rashad McKenzie, uh, three-star defensive end who was just recently offered by Texas in mid-February. Um, I was able to talk to him and, you know, Texas is right there at the top for him as well. Uh, it's Texas, Nebraska, and uh, there's some local schools getting involved as well, like Washington and Washington State. Um, but he's he's very interested in taking a visit to Texas as well. Um, that's another one we're going to be keeping an eye on to see if he takes, you know, the trip out there with the, with the West Coast guys. So um, if he makes a trip out, that's definitely one that, you know, is going to be interesting. And I, I mentioned it on the site earlier this week, the defensive line group in the state of Texas in the class of 2022 isn't as deep as you would like it. So I wouldn't be surprised to see Texas, you know, start keying in on some out-of-state targets, whether it be, you know, Rashad McKenzie, DJ Weselak, and some others. So uh, McKenzie is definitely one to keep an eye on whenever you mention those out-of-state defensive line targets. And then the third one I was able to catch up with was a four-star corner, Ephesians Prysock, uh, early candidate in my career for uh, the best name that I've ever covered. Uh, they call him Efi over there at Alamania. I, I liked that quite a bit. But uh, I was talking to him, and I, I get the hint that he wants to say, you know, out west, stay in the Pac-12. He gets a lot of uh, attention from Pac-12 schools. But he is interested in Texas. He told me he was interested in taking a visit. That's just going to be one we see, you know, if he ends up scheduling one. Uh, if he does end up scheduling one, then, you know, we'll know that the interest is there, um, you know, especially that he, that he has two teammates, you know, in his uh, in his locker room that, you know, like Texas as well. So that'll be one to keep an eye on. And then uh, after I swung by Alamany, I went and saw Malik Murphy's uh, week two game uh, against Chaminade. It was the first game I've ever covered on a blue field, actually. So uh, that was a first for me. And uh, you've never uh, never been to Parrish? I've only been to one Taps game. It was Nolan Catholic in Parrish, and it was at Nolan last year. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, Parrish has a blue Parrish. field. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was a slow game. Um, it was 0-0 all the way up until four minutes left in the third. And uh, Chaminade uh, finally took the lead. And then, uh, you know, Malik Murphy came back, tied it before uh, uh, the end of regulation, and then they won it in overtime 12-6. to Um Malik is, is just going to take some time. He needs some reps. Um, and I, I've mentioned it on the site in the past week. He's going to need reps and he's going to need to see that live game action just to get better and, you know, more understanding of the game. Um, and I, I think that's something we've always kind of mentioned when it came to him. So he certainly has the tools uh, of being, you know, a premier quarterback at the next level. And I still firmly believe that. And you also got to factor in the weapons that he has at, at Sarah as well. Uh, very young team that he's dealing with this year. I think we'll probably get a better idea you know, of how he can work with weapons next year, whenever those guys finally have some experience under them uh, in the fall. Um, but overall, he's doing the most with what he has. And uh, he's also dealing with a foot injury early on in the season that he suffered uh, in the first game uh, a couple weeks ago against Long Beach Poly. So, um, you know, I, I'm curious to see what he looks like in game six, as opposed to these first two games. I, mean, I talked to him after the game. He's not close to being content with, you know, his performances so far. And um, he's, he's working every day, whether it be watching film or, you know, getting in the lab and, uh, you know, trying to understand defenses a little bit better and, you know, understanding the game a little bit better because, you know, you can't do that unless you have reps. And, uh, he, he's been doing that these past couple of weeks, but, um, overall wasn't too bad of a performance. They were able to pull out the, the gritty victory against a pretty good Chaminade team. Um, and then on, uh, on Sunday, I just went up and, uh, to, uh, Irvine caught up with some, uh, pass, uh, pass throwers, some quarterbacks out at, uh, 
uh, Danny Hernandez's uh, QB collective workout. Just some young guys, no one that really Texas has their uh, eye on right now, but definitely just wanted to see some guys. I think I saw a receiver that was probably the one that caught my eye the most. Um, Josiah Phillips, he already has offers from LSU and Oregon. He plays at Sierra Canyon on the football and basketball team. So that'll be one to watch uh, out West as far as um, uh, recruits, but overall pretty solid trip was able to, you know, come back with the impression that Texas is really making some noise out in California. And that was the question that I had going in, you know, how legit is this noise in California? I know we have Malik Murphy in the class, um, but you know, how is that kind of radiating to other prospects? And, you know, I think Malik and, you know, the staff are, are both doing a really good job and, you know, maintaining California connections. And it all starts with Steve Sarkeesian and his California ties. So, uh, moving forward, I think California is definitely going to be a pipeline for this program. I know originally you had planned to go out there, and I, I guess Cole Lord was going to throw at some point. Did you not get to see him while you were there? Yeah, I was going to catch up with him Sunday, but he was banged up. I uh, wasn't able to make it out to the workout, but he told me whenever he makes it to Texas, he'll be sure to hit me up. Okay. Um, let's go back. I want to touch on the Malik thing for a little bit because – we have been very bullish on his skill set and very high on it. And so I kind of want to talk through the way I feel about Malik Murphy as a quarterback right now, because it's a very polarizing topic. Um, and, and now that somebody on our site has laid uh, actual eyes on him during a game live, a live game, um, you know, it's, it's kind of something I want to bounce back and forth. So <clears throat> when I look into Malik Murphy, I think about what is it in the past I've seen from guys who have busted out, who have been incredible physical talents, but just never were able to put it together. And I try to find those common denominators. And to me, the common denominator between those guys are usually an unwillingness to be coached or, or to look at, at their deficiencies and um, just a general like laziness about their work ethic. And when I look at Malik Murphy, I don't see either of those things. I see that he's a very coachable kid and I think he works his ass off. I really do. Um, I think talking to you, first of all, I would love to get your opinion on the the talent around him at uh, at, at Sarah. What is that? I mean, how how would you compare it? Um, I mean, is it? I'm trying to think of a good comparison point. I mean, is it? Are, are the guys he's throwing to and the guys that blocking for him, I mean, are they, would they hold up in five, a six, a football in Texas? Are they more four, a three, a types? I mean, what are we looking at here? I, I would compare it to if you, uh, if you took Malik Murphy and threw him on like a Rowlett team, I think that's probably what I would compare it to. Cause I mean, they're, they're a big program. Um, you know, they have, you know, guys who I think eventually could, you know, be, you know, pretty good football players at the end of the day on the offensive side of the ball, that is. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not really able to put it together. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, I think they're much stronger. They have a couple of safeties that, um, you know, I really like, a couple of defensive backs that I really like, and the defense has been able to keep them in games. Um, they only allowed 27 to a really good Long Beach Poly team in week one and then only six points this past week. Um, their defensive line is getting better as, as the games go on. And their offensive line, which was absolutely pitiful in week one, uh, Malik was running for his life in week one. They they definitely showed improvements in week two. Uh, and they have some serious size on that offensive line. How would you compare – I guess here's a good comparison. I think if you were to look in state, you say Rowlett. Um, like Nick Evers at Flower Mound is a guy that I look at and say, we think he has a lot of talent, but he doesn't have a lot to throw the ball to or, or, or all that. Is that kind of a good, uh, I guess, like 
uh, measuring point. Yeah. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that a lot more actually. Okay. So we agree that, yeah, the, the talent's down and maybe if he was at a modern day or a Bosco or somewhere like that, he would look a little better. Um, but I do think it is important. Like you mentioned, there are still things he has to work on. And I think a lot of that is live experience. You know, we've seen him throw in these controlled settings like seven on seven and, um, and uh, uh, like quarterback workouts. And I think that in those controlled settings, um, he's really strong. He knows how to do it. He knows the, the script work, but um, when the live bullets are coming and, and guys are, are off schedule and, and, you know, maybe a receiver's not where you think he's going to be, or, you know, you got a pass rusher in your face. I just think that that's an experience thing. I really do. And I think that nobody gets that experience without getting that experience. And so, you know, for, for Malik, it's unfortunate that, this has really been the first year he's been able to start and get any significant playing time at Sarah. Um, it's unfortunate that this was moved to the spring and he didn't get that in the fall. Um, but remember, everybody <clears throat> is still thinking of this as like his senior year. This is still his junior year. Um, he still has a, a whole other full season after this uh, to play. Hopefully California will play fall season uh, next year. So um I think that's important. I think the other thing that's also very important is to understand that Texas is in a place quarterback wise where they don't have to rush a guy like Malik. They don't have to start him immediately. I mean, this year they're going to have a competition between a junior and Casey Thompson and a, and a freshman in, in or a redshirt freshman in uh, Hudson card. So they're going to have the ability to take their time a little bit um, with him. And I think, the way I look at it with the tools he has and the work ethic I've seen on a firsthand basis and the way I know he's so coachable, I think that they're going to have the best opportunity to develop him because of all of those traits. Yeah, I agree. I, that was something that's something else that I kind of came out of after that game was he's going to be a guy that gets on campus and, you know, he's going to have the tools, he's going to have the skill set, he's going to have the size, but it's probably going to take him a year or two under Sarkeesian and Milwee and, you know, the offensive staff to, you know, truly develop into, you know, what he can be at the next level. Um, he's not going to be a guy that comes on campus as a freshman and contends to start. I, I don't believe that as of now. Um, and I don't see that being the case down the line, but um, you know, once he gets a year or two, you know, under the system and, you know, develops under that Texas offense, which I think will end up benefiting Texas a lot more than if he came in ready um, then, um, yeah, I, I don't know where I was going with that, but yeah, <laughs> you see where I, where you see where I'm at. Right, right, right. Okay. So that's kind of a discussion we've been needing to have on Malik. I wanted to wait until one of us saw him in a game to have that discussion. Yeah. Um, but I think that, uh, I think it's very instructive to remember all of those things and to think about, um, you know, where things stand. I think, um, you know, for me, we've been very complimentary of him and it's easy because Malik's an awesome kid. So anytime you talk to him, like, you're like, Oh man, I just love this kid. Like he's, he's just great to deal with. He's, he plays the game with a sort of exuberance that, um, you know, we love to see, but it is important to, you know, to note those downsides and not only, you know, focus on, on the positives. So, um, all right, let's move on to our, our final segment here. Uh, before we get to the mailbag, we're going to talk about official visits, uh, Texas, Finally started to uh, schedule some official visits this week after the last couple of weeks. Um, they've seen, uh, 
you know, they've seen a few guys uh, schedule them to other schools. A&M's been really active in it. Oklahoma's been active. Florida's been active. USC. So um, Texas was kind of waiting, uh, honestly. They were kind of waiting because they didn't know if visits were going to be open this summer. And I still think the jury is out there. I mean, nobody really knows for sure, but Texas at least kind of got on the board last night, and it was a a flurry of activity. Um, We do have a full list up and running over at Horns 24-7 that we're able to, we're putting together. Um, as we are sitting on this podcast now, I just – he doesn't want it out yet, but it'll be out by the time I uh, by the time we publish this podcast. But Cole Hudson just confirmed with me that he's scheduled his official visit for um, uh, June uh, 11th. So um, that June 11th right now, what we've confirmed will be Cole Hudson, um, Evan Stewart, and Derek Brown from Texas High on that weekend. June 18th through the 20th, looking like a big, big weekend. Malik Murphy, Marty Winfield, uh, Jaden Blue, Chris Ross, Brian Allen, all commits going to be there. And then Denver Harris, Kelvin Banks, DeForest Jones, Bryce Anderson, and Jacoby Matthews both taking unofficial visits that weekend. Uh, Jure Bledsoe, uh, Junior Tui Halamaka, who – confirmed with me last night Shaz Preston from St. James, Louisiana confirmed with me this morning. And then um, Jalen Gilbo is who we've got on the 25th through the 27th. So that list will continue to grow. Um, It is, it is up over at Horns 24 seven. We will continually keep it updated, but I'm going to say one or two things uh, that just jump out to me about this is obviously. I think the, the big question has always with Evan Stewart, does it benefit Texas more to have him on a weekend like that with less people or would it benefit them more to have him on the weekend with big, you know, the big group of people. And I think you could truly make an argument for it either way. I think you could say Evan's a different kind of kid and the more attention you give him on a one-to-one basis is going to be more beneficial. And I think you could say that getting him around that group of commits, especially a guy like Malik would be more beneficial. So I don't think this is a recruitment that's going to be won on a visit. I think that this is a recruitment that's going to be won over the long haul. I still think Texas holds a really strong position here if they just keep with it. I think that personally, there were some feelings hurt when Evan decommitted. And I think that that kind of caused some people at Texas to, uh, I, I don't want to say fumble things, but maybe even just kind of take a step back for a little bit from Evan. And now I think they're reengaged a little bit. I think they just need to stay in that race because I, I do believe they can win him. The other thing that stood out to me um, was the weekend of, of June 18th through the 20th, Tavoris Jones visiting with Jaden Blue. I think I've said in recent weeks with what it looked like Jamarian Miller kind of fading on the Texas board. Tavoris Jones is the guy I probably think is running back to in this class, probably the best chance to be. And I think that that is a uh, Nick, you can weigh in on this because you know Tavoris a little better than I do. But I think that that is a recruitment that can be won on a visit. And I think that bringing him in with a guy like Blue, who is always going to, he's never going to be uh, insecure about them recruiting a second running back because he believes in his talent that much. Um, I think that that is, is a big indicator of them bringing those two guys in on the same weekend and kind of seeing how they mesh together. Yeah, that's huge. And even on Twitter last night, Tavoris was quote tweeting uh, Jaden Blue's uh, official visit post. So it looks like he's definitely open to the concept, you know, of this two running back class. And um, I, I think it would be a solid one-two punch with Jaden Blue and Tavoris Jones. Uh, Jones is kind of, you know, a quiet kid. He kind of keeps to himself, um, not really big in the whole interview game. But, you know, whenever I do get a hold of him, he has been talking up the Texas staff. And if we remember, uh, 
Texas was his very first offer uh, back in April of last year. Uh, Stan Drayton made a key early evaluation, you know, and since then Tavores has really blown up. He's gotten offers from A&M, Alabama, uh, I, I believe Oklahoma, and pretty much any other, you know, program you could, you can imagine. Um, the only program that I've really heard that could contest Texas is Oregon and Oregon hasn't offered yet. So, um, you know, I think Texas is definitely in a really good spot moving forward in this recruitment and getting him on campus is huge. And like you said, I think it is a recruitment as well that could be one on a visit. Anything, Nick, to you stand out about uh, this uh, this visit list or, or anything, uh, the way they're putting them together or the groups, anything? Yeah, a couple of things. I mean, you mentioned Evan coming in on his own weekend. I think that's going to be big, you know, just kind of, you know, give a lot of attention towards Evan, you know, and they'll be able to talk things out one-on-one. Uh, I think that'll be really big towards, you know, just the relationship between Evan and the coaches. A um, couple of other, th- couple of other things, uh, Jare Bledsoe uh, from Bremond coming in on that June 18th to 20th weekend. Uh, I found that particularly interesting. Um, you know, A&M is obviously kind of the, the hometown area uh, for Jare Bledsoe. I think he lives only about 30 or 45 minutes north of uh, College Station. Um, but getting him on campus and, you know, getting him to see everything will be pretty big. He had only been to Austin one time before, uh, and it was driving through Austin to get to another place. So uh, for him to be, be on campus and, you know, sit through and, you know, listen to everything, I think that'll be pretty big. And it looks like Texas will, you know, want to add to that defensive tackle class with Chris Ross. Uh, and then obviously Junior Tui Halamaka coming in with uh, Malik Murphy. Um, you know, that's going to be huge, you know, them two, you know, being able to build a relationship, um, you know, out from California, come to Texas on a visit together. Um, we'll see kind of where Texas stands with Nawafe after that. Uh, and then also Shaz Preston, uh, that's a wide receiver name that has really started to emerge over the past couple of weeks from St. James, Louisiana, uh, him scheduling his official visit coming in uh, on the big weekend, June 18th to 20th. Uh, I think that's really interesting as well. Um, and we'll see kind of where, uh, you know, Texas is making some ends in that recruitment afterwards. Yeah, I think, um, you know, when, and, and they, again, I can't stress this enough. This list is going to be so fluid over the next couple of months. It's going to change. There are guys who change dates. So there'll be new guys added. There'll probably be guys that drop off, but a really strong group um, so far that, uh, I'm just thinking about what the stampede is going to look like after that June 18th to 20th week. And that's going to be a mega stampede. Um, Nick, you haven't been around for uh, uh, stampedes in the official visit era because we didn't have official visits all last year. Those are, those are big ones. Those are some of the most anticipated. Um, but yeah, I, I think um, good on Texas. I'm, I'm really interested to see kind of how this staff puts its spin on the official visit. Um, you know, I, I kind of knew how, um, the previous staff did it. They would really tailor their, their visits to the, the individual kid. And I'm interested to see if that's still the case or just kind of what new spin they put on it. So uh, should be fun. We'll, we'll continue to report on this in the lead up to it. And of course we'll report all the way through it um, over at Horns 24 seven. So if you're not a subscriber there, please subscribe that that way you can get all the good stuff we talk about here and not just uh, I feel like we give you the, you get the kind of the, the scraps of what we talk about on the site here uh you could get the full meal if you subscribe we hope you're enjoying this week's episode of the state of recruiting we'll be back with the second half after a word from our sponsors ebay motors is here for the ride remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease fresh installs and a whole lot of love you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own look to your left look to your right it's official no one's got a ride like this 
there's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. (laughs) All right. Let's move over to uh, the mailbag. As always, you can get your mailbag questions to us on the uh, state of recruiting uh, when we put it up on the board. I have not heard from Charles Daniels yet, but I saw him tweet the other day. So I just think Charles doesn't listen to us anymore. You know, I caught up with him at a camp a couple of weeks ago at a, at a flight camp. And, you know, we talked for like 10, 15 minutes. I think we're all still friends. We just got to get a hold of him. Yeah, I'm going to reach out to him directly today. I gave him the uh, – I sent the bat signal out on the podcast last week, and he didn't respond. So um, <laughs> I'm going to have to – I just think he's not listening anymore. So it is what it is. All right, our first question from Hook'em777. Uh, it says, Mike, you reported on Monday there wasn't a ton of clarity on if the dead period would be lifted on June 1st. Did something change in that week span since the oversight committee was reported to be recommending it to be lifted? Uh, or what? And what are your what is your gut saying on whether or not it will be lifted? Um, nothing, to my knowledge, has changed majorly. Talking to coaches, um, I think that when the dead period was originally pushed to May 31st. It was kind of with the wink, wink, that'll be the last time we extend it. And then you guys will be able to have visits in the summer. And I think a lot of people took that for and ran with it. And I think that's the reason a lot of people scheduled official visits. And I'm not even sure Texas knows any more clarity on it other than they just felt they were falling behind on, on scheduling these official visits. So, no, I don't think anything has changed. If you ask me what my gut says, I'll tell you this, my gut felt a lot better um, about this Uh last night before I learned that um, Texas was going to shut down with COVID uh, for spring practice. Um, But still, I think with the amount of vaccinations going on in the state, by the time we get to June and as open as everything is, I do think, uh, you know, I do think that if you had to ask me which way it will go, I would say that it'll be lifted. Yeah, I would agree. Um, It's definitely going to be interesting. I mean, I just kind of, personal experience. I mean, going to California this week, it's a lot more strict out there and it's more strict, you know, in other places of the country. So we have to kind of keep that in mind as well. While in Texas, you know, everything's, you know, pretty much open and, um, you know, it doesn't necessarily, it does make sense to, you know, have official visits in June. It may not, it may may not make sense for other parts of the country. Um, My gut though is telling me that it probably will. I think it's really funny that all these colleges are, you know, scheduling official visits and kind of forcing the hands of the the NCAA to, you know, just go ahead and let it happen. 
because um, I mean, if you go on Twitter today, then there's official visit schedules all down my timeline. So uh, I, I think it's, it definitely is funny that they're kind of forcing the hand and, you know, we'll see. And, you know, I, I think it will be whenever it was extended to, you know, May 31st, I had a recruit tell me that um, an SEC head coach had told him that it was with the understanding that uh, it would be lifted on June 1st. So um, hopefully we'll, we'll get more clarity on that in the next couple of weeks. And, you know, we'll be able to understand if we'll be able to, you know, have those visits. From Riggins Riggs 33. What a great name. Nick, do you understand that? Do you get that, um, that, uh, that name? Yeah, I'm a big Friday Night Lights guy. Okay, I didn't know. I didn't know. So, yeah, that's a great name. Uh, if you guys were in charge of Texas recruiting, what would your strategy be for scheduling official visits with some of the guys uh, you mentioned will go down to National Signing Day, like Perkins, Dewberry, Evan Stewart? Would you try to get them in closer to their decision, or would you uh, try to get them in ASAP, knowing that you might not have the luxury of waiting? It, I think it would depend on the kid. For I think for Stewart, I don't see that going to National Signing Day. Um, I do think Evan Stewart is, he wants to get those visits banged out in the summer. Like he's, he's already got all five of his visits. He will go to Florida in this order, Florida, Texas, Georgia, Texas, A&M, Alabama. Those are his visits. Um, and so, uh, Bama was angling for the last visit. Um, you know, A&M was able to get in there out of nowhere after being a complete non-factor in Evan's commit recruitment for most of, of the time. Um, and so, I think he wants to get those things done and make a decision. Um, I think for the other two, Perkins and Dewberry, I would try to get those guys in in the fall. I would try to get them to campus as much as I could unofficially over the summer, but I would probably save those officials for the fall. Yeah, I agree. That Houston group of, you know, Perkins, Dewberry, I mean, Banks will be making his official visit June 18th to 20th, but um, I think it'll be important to get some of those Houston guys in together because they've kind of grown to be pretty close uh, over the last few months, Um, you know, just kind of exchanging with each other, you know, about each of their recruitments. And I think Perkins and Dewberry are definitely two guys that, you know, you might want to get on campus together. And, you know, I I agree with you, get them in 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 the fall. Um, you know, those are going to be two guys that go deep into, you know, the season. And um, Perkins right now is scheduled to make his commitment at the Under Armour All-American game in January. I think Dewberry isn't planning on making his until, you know, the early signing period. So, um, yeah, get, get him closer to a national signing day. And I think, you know, it, it might have a better chance. Uh, what rank or from SoCal Horn 88, what rank does Texas wind up for with this recruiting class if they close on all of their big targets? I mean, if they close on all their big targets, that's a top three class, I would bet. I mean, you're talking Evan Stewart and uh, Jacoby Matthews, Bryce Anderson, CJ Williams, Kevin Coleman, uh, Mario Bohr. Like they, if they land all those guys, they're going to have a top three class and would probably have a chance at number one if that was the case. Yeah, I would agree. Now, the likeliness of it happening, I'm, I'm not yeah. sure. But uh, I think top seven. I'm sure is it's, realistic... it's not. Yeah, it's not going to happen. <laughs> I think top seven is realistic, though. Yeah, for sure. I think top five is realistic. Um, it's just going to depend on how they kind of close down the stretch. Um, from Mikey Gress six, uh, does landing Chris Ross boost chances with Denver Harrison anyway? Not that. Not to my knowledge. I mean, obviously they're teammates, uh, but I think Texas is already in a good position with Denver. Um, They're already going to be a factor for Denver. I don't know that that pushes it anymore. Yeah. I mean, it definitely doesn't hurt uh, for sure. Um, You know, kind of having a voice in the locker room and um, you know, that's definitely something they can talk about, but uh, is it a significant boost? Probably not. 
From Hook'em Horns 87, do you see the staff and Sark to start pushing harder for 2023 wide receiver Jalen Hale? He's probably the best receiver in the state for 23, although Jonte Cook is up there. Um, I think they're pushing hard. I just don't think uh, – personally, in my opinion, I don't think Jalen's that interested. He's never seemed to have a great interest in Texas. Um, that one feels like he's Oklahoma or A&M bound to me, um, and I just I, – I don't think it's a question of them pushing hard. Yeah, I agree, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. There's going to be a lot of receivers to choose from in the state of Texas in 23. He's a really good one. I mean, he's a he's a heck of a player. I just I just don't see it happening. Um, from Rock Scars of Seven, do you expect the staff to stick with one quarterback for this year's class? I think a lot of that depends on what happens this spring. If if somebody like uh, like if Hudson Card won the job outright this spring, which I don't think we're going to know who wins the job until summer, and Casey Thompson transferred, I think Texas would probably look at a second quarterback. Um, but if everything holds kind of like it is now, I don't expect them to go with a second quarterback. <coughs> Excuse me, I drank water wrong. <laughs> Went down the wrong pipe. Uh, yeah, that's going to be definitely something we kind of see as the uh, as the spring and summer go on. And then if a quarterback emerges during the fall in the 2022 class that, you know, Texas likes and, you know, if Hudson and Casey are still, you know, both on campus, even at that time, I wouldn't be surprised to see them make a move on a guy, you know, like Josh Hoover, uh, Braden Locke. Um, I mean, there's a lot of 2022 quarterbacks to choose from. All right. Um, from Lone Star 87, since we are base, uh, since we basically missed on official visits last year, can you give us a refresher on what's allowed? Uh, total number of visits school can offer, length of the visit, uh, who can a recruit bring, and has the staff indicated what their official visits will look like, or will it be specialized? Um, yeah, so uh, schools have a certain number of official visits they can do per year. Um, I forget the number. I think it's 56. I think they have 56 official visits they can give out per year. Um, and so... They will, uh, the length of a visit is typically 48 hours. And the only difference between an official and an, an, an unofficial visit is that the school is allowed to pay for travel, lodging, food, all the activities on the visit. Um, whereas an unofficial visit is up to the recruit and their family to pay for those things. Um, so 48 hours, they can bring their family typically, um, uh, or, you know, like one or two other people. A lot of times they'll bring, you know, the parents, maybe a grandparent will come or a brother or something like that. Um, uh, and then, uh, I have not heard what, what an official visit will look like. And I don't know if the staff knows what an official visit will look like. That's going to be up to, uh, Courtney Helam and Taylor Searles, two of the newest off-field hires for Texas, who are directors of, of on-campus recruiting. This will be their thing. They are going to shine in this situation and setting up a visit and making it and rolling out the red carpet. So really, really excited to see kind of how they do it. Um, and, and how it comes down to it. Yeah, in the past, I've heard stories, you know, under multiple staffs, not even the Tom Herman staff, about how, you know, Texas was able to roll out the red carpet for, for official visits and, you know, really make them feel like, you know, lavish pleasantries. <laughs> so uh, I, I think definitely under Sarkeesian, they'll be, you know, looking to do the same thing. And they have some really good people in that uh, personnel department that, you know, they specialize in, you know, creating a, a really good official visit weekend. So uh, I am excited to see what it looks like. Yeah, look, it's not that hard. I mean, Austin's a cool town. Uh, Texas is a sweet campus. Like, you've got, um, you know, typically, I think the way it's gone down in the past is the guys get there the first night, 
they do a lot of the the next day they do a lot of like the presentation stuff here's the stadium here's the facilities here's your academics and then they go out with the players and they spend time with the players and i think that that's always been uh you know the probably the biggest part of it so um it's it should be easy to recruit in austin i mean it's a it's a cool town with lots to do so we'll see um T hook one. When do you expect the next Texas commit? Please give a date. Yeah, I'm not going to do that. Like, uh, I don't know why people continue to ask us that when they know we're not going to do that. Um, I will say that I don't expect a lot of movement in the next couple of months, just around the country, because it's really starting to look like visits are opening up and I'd be surprised if a recruit committed before then. Yeah. I was going to say the exact same thing. I think that the thought that these guys could schedule visits now has really slowed the whole progress down. So um, I think, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think in that case, I I, I wouldn't surprise me if there were one or two before the summer um, before visits open, but I'm not necessarily, uh, you know, looking at it. So um, from lightly burnt, it sounds like Sark and staff are looking for a running back two in the 22 class with good pass catching ability and some explosion in the game to compliment Jaden blue. Who do you view as a likely candidate to fill the role in state or out of state? And are there any up and comers you notice that could find themselves in the crosshairs? Uh, we mentioned a little early. I think that the Tavoris Jones is, is probably the best option there. I think, um, you know, Texas is in it for some out of state guys like Javante Barnes from Nevada and Javante citizen from Louisiana. But I think if you had to ask me to put money down on it right now, who will be the second running back in this class, I would probably go with Tavoris Jones. Yeah, I would agree. Tavoris Jones and Trevante Citizen are definitely the two names that come to mind. Uh, also Burns and, uh, you know, Zach Evans is another offer that they have on the table in 2022. Um, and that's just one that's going to be, you know, consistently evaluated as, as time goes on. If we look up in, you know, late fall and there's still not an RB2 in the class, and you know, that's probably a kid that they circle back on. All right. Our next, our, our last question from uh, Mike Egress 6. Based on your last report, it appears Texas has a solid lead for Jacoby Matthews, and he could be close to making a decision. Is there a reason you, why you have yet to enter a crystal ball? So I kind of wrote this out in uh, Mike at Night the other night after Rosa's commitment, kind of my thought process on each guy. And I have heard a lot of positive buzz about Texas and Jacoby Matthews. I can't say that it's a big lead or a solid lead, but I've heard that Texas is very much in, in that mix. Um the biggest, and I've heard a commitment date thrown about. I, the biggest reason is I just don't believe it. Like I don't trust people. Um, maybe it's the last three or four years of covering Texas recruiting, but I just don't have enough there to trust somebody. Uh, you know, and I've heard it from a few different people. The buzz is getting to be where it's hard to ignore, but I just can't. I, it's one of those things like I'll believe it when I see it. I can't go with the crystal ball yet. Yeah, and that's going to be one we're on top of, I believe, as well. So um, just kind of moving forward, Jacoby Matthews is definitely one we have our radar on, and it's much more on our radar than it was, say, two months ago. I think that's, you know, a good way to put it. Absolutely. All right, that's going to do it for the mailbag. Uh, before we get out of here, Nick, how's your bracket looking? Oh, absolutely pitiful. I actually had uh, my main one that was looking pretty good, even after the Oral Roberts upset in, in uh, week one. Um, shout out to my boy Max Acemus, who's been doing phenomenal things for Oral Roberts. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's not looking too great since then. Oh, I'm having an awful run. My my main bracket. So I've got a, a group with some friends of mine, and I did three brackets. I did one that's like my picks. I did one where I flip a coin to determine the 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 winner, and I let my wife pick one. 
And I am, my main bracket is in second to last place in the group at 15.1% uh, <laughs> official. I mean, I am just getting slaughtered, but my champion is still in it. Whereas, uh, you know, a couple of the people ahead of me, their champions are not in it at all. So like I, I will eventually pull back ahead. Um, but it's, uh, it's been a, it's been a rough one. Like I had West Virginia going deep. I had Illinois going to the sweet 16. I had Ohio state, Texas, Kansas, all those schools in the sweet 16 and, and they're all out. So, uh, it, it should even out after that. The coin, um, is, uh, let's see, the coin is in fourth place in that group. Uh, so not bad, but it's, uh, it's winner is out of the race. And then Wayne uh, did better than, than your, than your mind. That's yes. Great. And, uh, but it's not going to win because it's, like I said, it's champion. Um, I, th I believe, it yeah, the coin picked Abilene Christian to win it all. And, uh, <laughs> so it's champion is out. And then my wife, um, shout out to my wife who I just gave her the mascot and she picked the teams. If she is in our group currently, she would be in third place. Uh, but her champion, Grand Canyon University, is no longer in the race at all. And um, she so my wife is from southern Missouri on the border of Arkansas and Oklahoma. Her family went to Oklahoma State. She lived in Fayetteville for a while. And she's married to me. So three of her final four makes a lot of sense. She had Oklahoma State, Texas, and uh, uh, Arkansas in the final four. And then she just really enjoyed our trip to the Grand Canyon so much last year that she picked uh, Grand Canyon University to go all the way. So uh, she was very upset when the Lopes did not get out of round one. <laughs> Actually, she didn't know. I had to come home and break the news. And she said, oh, they already played. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, brackets are busted. Uh, I guess that's what it is. And um, who knows? Maybe maybe Nick will, will have some uh, – some new basketball coaches to report on who knows. I don't, I don't think we know where we are there, but um, we'll figure it out pretty soon. All right, Nick, anything else before we get out of here? Uh, no, that's about it. Just uh, looking forward to a busy weekend and another busy weekend coming up. All right. Yeah, it is going to be a huge weekend for us. Um, we've got the true buzz tournament in Dallas. We have the USA football is having a combine in Dallas. Uh, our good friend uh, Tuck at Trench Warfare is having an O-line, D-line camp in Dallas. So it's going to be a uh, weekend of running around for the three of us or for the two of us. So um, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We appreciate you guys for joining each week and we will talk to you next week.